When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Let's get to it. Welcome into Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. All right, that spring press conference, we are back at it, right? Football is here and, well, not quite pad cracking tomorrow, but eventually, right? You get a spring football season. God help us. So we'll uh, hear plenty from Scott Frost, from Coach Janander, Jojo Doman. Uh, a lot to get into on some of those uh, key questions and the timeline begins for answers between now and fall for Nebraska football 2021. You're welcome to join us. Jump in. Give us a shout. Find us on Twitter or email. You can find us uh, phone number wise 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. And uh, always on Twitter, give us a follow. Find us at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, we will talk to Steve Warren. The Warren Academy has their showcase coming up here uh, in April. So we'll talk to uh, number 96, uh, Husker Hall of Famer and uh, black shirt standout Steve Warren. So excited to get Steve's take on not only the upcoming showcase, but Steve's take on on spring ball. He still follows the Nebraska football program uh, all the time. And uh, Steve has been so great at, at development, uh, not only with athletes, with the Warren Academy, but Steve's uh, been so good in the community with the Dream Foundation. So Steve with us in about 20 minutes. Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt will be with us. We'll talk defense, offense, offensive line. We'll go full bore spring with him. And then plenty of time for you the rest of the show. Barry Alvarez is stepping down at some point. Reaction to that Husker baseball. Got them brooms going again. Plenty of college hoops with uh, what an incredible uh, weekend ball game between UCLA and Bama. The Elite Eight stage will be set tonight and tomorrow. Uh, I, I will check out tonight but i'm really kind of geeked up about ucla michigan tomorrow oh yeah i think that'll be a party um baylor arkansas maybe i'll i'll, I'll tune in a little bit tonight but my, my problem is is it looks like gonzaga's untouchable and even baylor looks like they're gonna make it to the final four the the, the real the only good game left i think is michigan and ucla because it looks like usc is also a bit of a buzzsaw at the moment too uh, well and and you're gonna get sc gonzaga all right I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get that, and let's take a look at my bracket here. No, you're not this getting it, mine. nor nor am I. I think Andy Markowski's the the brain uh, in the city with the USC call, uh, the pride of Ord. 
But no, <laughs> SC's damn good. <laughs> I mean, wow. I have, I'm sorry. Uh, I have not checked out a lot of USC basketball oh, that, or Pac-12 after dark with uh, Wild Man Walton. Yeah, that, that last game's what? Uh, Oregon State and Houston? Yeah, I think Houston really makes it hard to watch, but man, they dominate you. I mean, they're so athletic and they're so physical. But I like Mick Cronin. I like Mick Cronin when he was at Cincinnati. And I remember that Cincinnati came in here and, and got beat by a point, either against Doc or against Tim Miles. It might have been the Doc era, I'm thinking. Doc Sadler. But that was a rock fight. I mean, it was a struggle to get to 55. But, but Mick's just Mick's, – Mick's not perfect for L.A., but he's perfect for UCLA. Mm. Because you're getting – just straight up blue collar, short man's disease, you know, where he is just ruthless and passionate and fiery. And you can see the spit flying when he pulls his mask down and he's screaming. But they respect him and they play for him. And that was a great hire by UCLA because they've got offensive talent. They've got insanely talented athletes. That whole squad's big and tall and fast and they can they can make shots. But man, they... They do the little things, and you don't always get a lot of little things done in Hollywood because they think they're too good for it. So kudos to to UCLA's run. Michigan looked incredible uh, without livers. They didn't miss a beat. I mean, what they have, like 19 uh, shots in the paint. They hit 15 of them. They had 10 dunks. They only attempted a handful of threes, weren't reliant on it, and they were great defensively. Florida State was was a... uh, a, a a tire fire with with their defense and their communication and tire fire is a generous term for what that performance was. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they they were just outclassed and outcoached and outexecuted. Yeah, I'm glad we both missed that one in the the steak and a beer bet on Friday. Right, we both looked dumb there. <laughs> well, I think the world was like, well, no way, no way, Michigan. I. I tended to agree and then they played so let's dive into some spring football thoughts and you know a a lot uh, to cover with this and you know there's so much on on our mind and on your mind as as a fan right now here I mean special teams winter testing you've got a really talented wide receiver room the Oklahoma game I mean all of that was was going to be approached and touched on by the head football coach today. So here's Scott Frost leading things off. And, you know, Parker Gabriel led the thing off on the uh, the presser today with, you know, what, what, what was going on? What was the thought process with this Oklahoma-Nebraska situation that caused panic uh, about three weeks ago? You know, our program, I give Bill Moose a lot of credit. I think we had fewer furloughs and layoffs and salary reductions than – Almost anybody in our league or in the country. Um, I think Bill did a great job navigating us through that. Uh, that being said, there was a 40 to $50 million budget hit to our athletic department, and I think there was a lot of discussions on um, ways to help uh, help with that. I think they looked into a lot of different things. Um, I think the biggest thing for me as a football coach is we, we were scheduled to play in Ireland. Week zero made a lot of sense playing overseas to take week one off and get your feet back under you when you get stateside. Uh, now that that game's not overseas, sure, it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to have a, a week one bye. 
I think bringing our players back a week early and then asking them to play one game and, and sit out doesn't make a lot of sense. And the biggest thing for me is I, I think the city of Lincoln's starving, our local economy starving uh, for home games and getting in the stands to see uh, our football team for recruiting too. Uh, we need home games and the earlier the better. I think right now as it sits, we only have one home game scheduled till October. Uh, and even for recruiting, um, a lot of kids will have made their decisions by then. We haven't had recruits on campus in almost a year and a half, two years. So I think we're looking at any and all options to try to uh, change the schedule to, to get more home games and get more home games early. So that was Scott's answer. Eric Olson of the Associated Press pressing Frost on the Oklahoma uh, discussion about dropping OU. We'll hear that in a minute, but here, here's what I, I look at and read into things just to put a, a bow on this Nebraska-Oklahoma. It, it's going to go away until Oklahoma-Nebraska game week. You may not forget, but it won't be top of mind. I think, I know we're going to shift at, all right, what's the what's the pass rush situation look like? Are you going to see better special teams? Do you have a couple of studs in the running back room? Can you get some emergence at wide receiver? What's your backup quarterback situation look like? Do you have uh, an offensive line that's ready to take a step forward that have played a lot of football together aside from your left tackle and what you're trying to replace at right guard? I mean, all bigger and more important topics to kind of drill down on that if it all comes together, you'll you'll be able to kick off and and hopefully hang for a while against Oklahoma. Doesn't look like it or feel like it right now, <laughs> based on where the Oklahoma program's at and where the Nebraska program's trying to get. But if, if things can continue to get moving in the right direction, all those things need to come together for you to have a chance week one, week zero, Week three, right? I mean, it's it's this buildup. And when it comes to, to getting that, that week two or make it week one game either transferred or scheduled after week zero, I get it. This team needs to play. They need to play in friendly conditions, i.e. in front of 90,000, the Sea of Red, and they need to win, right? They win. Their confidence continues to build up. That confidence gets built up. Maybe they play in a big game and and aren't gun shy because most of the kids, and I'm not making excuses, I'm just talking about the, the reasoning behind wanting to get more home games. You do not and you cannot sacrifice Oklahoma for that, and they're not going to, thank God. But this team has a lot of guys that have tested off off the charts. They have the athletes. They have guys that can play. They need to win. And they need to see that realized on the field versus during practice or what they're doing when it comes to strength and conditioning. They're as big and as strong as their opponent. They got to quit committing penalties or turnovers that help the opponent out that ultimately ends up beating Nebraska. So if Nebraska can wheel and deal and find a way to get out of Illinois week one with a win against Bielema, and then you come home and you have somebody you should trounce week two, you get a good win over Buffalo, maybe, maybe week three before Oklahoma, maybe you're two and one or three and oh going into Norman. And that feels a hell of a lot better than this choppiness. You've already experienced a lifetime of choppiness with this COVID crap last year as a player and as a coach. <laughs> so if you don't get what you want 
you just kind of roll with the punches. But ideally, set this team up for for some success with there's no win guaranteed anymore. There just isn't against with Nebraska football. But uh, set it up favorably where you at least got a couple of home games scheduled in before you got to go to Norman. And as either a chance to continue some momentum after a win at Illinois or a chance to bounce back if you fall at Illinois. I I don't see necessarily why it's 100% necessary to schedule a game in that week one time slot. Just because, I mean, Buffalo's coming to town the next week. These guys haven't played in front of a full Memorial Stadium in, what, it'll be two years by that point, mm-hmm. just about. So why not go play week zero, take the notes you're going to take, go work on them, and then have your first game in front of the Sea of Red be a, a, a game against a good Buffalo team. As two weeks to prep for Buffalo. Two weeks to prep for Buffalo, and then your first game when you're going to be all juiced up in front of 90,000 because it's been so long is going to be in front of a good team as opposed to a, a, a let's be honest, a, Whoever, a, an easy they, win. That, well, that's what the goal would be. Well, why not save that energy? I mean, I get the argument. I, I, think, I, I think the take is this. You get better by playing. Yes, of course. And 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 the more you can consecutively do it, you've heard the rest versus rust, mm-hmm. and not the, just taking a week off, but you don't want to get started and then just stop. So I get it. So I hope they can get things tailored the way they want them. But back to you know the who and the what of Oklahoma. How did this idea even get out there? Eric Olson uh, asked uh, some questions here towards Frost about – the Oklahoma game, and you know what's what's the deal with it. Here's the the full question and answer. Got uh, wanted to loop back to what Parker was asking about on Oklahoma. Just a couple follow ups. Was it you or somebody else specifically that even suggested to take a look at canceling Oklahoma? And then the second part of it is, what's your comment on the narrative that got out there about it was Nebraska trying to duck Oklahoma? Well, I grew up on Nebraska, Oklahoma. I I can't count the number of times I was in Memorial Stadium in the snow and and other times in November watching those games. Um, Mike Rozier's games and Billy Sims and um, that that's my favorite rivalry in, in sports because it's the one I grew up around. I will tell you too, our players are excited to take a chance, their chances against uh, a really good team. I'm sure Oklahoma, like they have been recently, is going to be one of the best teams in the country. Uh, our players are excited to play it. I think the whole narrative and conversation started on ways to fix the budget windfalls that we've had. You know, there's some schools, I think, that have cut sports and cut salaries and done a lot of other things. And um, like I said, I give Bill a lot of credit. He was committed to keeping everything intact and giving our student athletes opportunities in every sport, uh, men and women. So I think that the conversation was started to figure out a way to get more revenue to the university. I'm certainly excited about any chance to, like I said, have more home games uh, early in the season. For us in the situation, situation we're in to only play one home game before October doesn't make a lot of sense so we're excited to play that game uh, I hope that that we can do something with the schedule to make sure our fans can get in and see us uh, sooner and more often more on the exchange it was a follow-up so was it was it you or Bill or somebody else that even broached the idea yeah Somebody I don't remember where the, I don't remember where the conversation started for sure I just know with a 40 50 million dollar no cut to last year's budget. I think any, any and all things were on the table. 
Uh, I think the conversation even evolved after the, the game in Ireland was canceled. I think the first thing we did was start looking for home games for week one uh, and then looking for other options. I'm glad it landed the way it did. I just hope that we can make some kind of alterations. I think Bill's mentioned it too, uh, to make sure our fans can get in and see us uh, sooner and we can get recruits on campus sooner. Last thought from Frost uh, to Olsen on the Oklahoma saga. So you're saying unequivocally that this is a game that you want? I'm excited to play it. I, I'll tell you, our kids, uh, our kids want to play it. When they heard the news, uh, our leadership group called a meeting and wanted me to there to make sure that they had an opportunity to play against one of the best teams in the country. Thank you. So there you go. We we go back to to that day, that Friday, of you know what's going on here with Nebraska Oklahoma, and you had McMurphy's report at. 8.57 a.m. Central Time, and then you had a response finally by Nebraska at 3. Well, here's part of the reason for the timeline. If if the leadership group's like, dude, what the hell? Uh, we're not going to get to play Oklahoma. That's garbage. We need to call coach and put a stop to this. So the players clearly want to take their shot at one of the best. Yeah, I heard that at the end, though. You said you can say unequivocally that you want to play this game. You said, well, I know the players want to play. It, it you never got like a clear answer to it other than it's on, thank the Lord. Steve Warren's with us next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. More thoughts on spring ball. We'll dive into some more topics, culture, fans, wide receiver room, how big a team Nebraska is. We welcome in a big-time black shirt, a national champion, an NFLer, and doing great work in the community and with local athletes. Steve Warren of the Dream Foundation and Warren Academy. You can find Steve on Twitter at Steve underscore, underscore Warren 96, at Dream underscore org on Twitter, also at Warren underscore Academy uh, on Twitter. And uh, Steve, good to see you, man. Uh, how was Arizona? My, my, my time in Arizona was great. I know you took a quick breather before this showcase gets kicked off. What you doing, man? Oh, it was, it was good. It was... Uh... A few days in the sun and uh, relaxing by the pool. Um, I always feel like I come back from vacation more tired than I left, though, for some reason. But that's probably just because I had to drag my kids with me this time. <laughs> they always wear me out. But yeah. it was good, man. It was good to get away. Now back to work. That's right. Uh, hunkering down. And, you know, the uh, the Open Underclassmen Showcase is Saturday. And, Steve, let folks know a little bit about what what you've done and what you're you're doing with the Warren Academy. Obviously, when it comes to training athletes, but also what this showcase can provide. The showcase is 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 a is a tool that athletes can use to get verified numbers, which they're going to need for scouts and recruiters, um, so they can so they can get on the radar. Um, the media outlets will be there. Um, we're partnered with uh, Nebraska Preps, okay, um, and also um, you know rivals and other groups will be there. Two Four Seven Sports, so they'll get exposure from that as well. And you know, depending on how they perform, they'll get a write up about themselves and and be able to use that and help you know build their profile and their platform. We'll also have skills and drills, so we'll be not only just you know working on um, getting them more exposure through their testing and getting them verified measurements. Um, but also giving them a chance to showcase themselves skill-wise. Um, there'll be there'll be some smaller colleges in attendance. Um, the larger ones are still on a, a non-contact period, but uh, the smaller schools will be there looking at some of the kids. So there's exposure from the media and from the college coaches, and 
um, you know, to be good for those kids to get out. And, and early in the spring, it's always good to kind of get your numbers and see where you're at. And that's kind of why we're doing ours a little bit earlier than everybody else is doing theirs, um, just so the kids can use this before they go to camp to know what they need to work on beforehand and then hopefully get some some, some numbers that they can use and, um, you know, get on the radar. Steve Warren is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. The uh, showcase is going to be from 10 to 3 on Saturday at the Omaha Sports Complex, Warren Academy, 147th in, in Giles in, in Omaha. And you had verti- uh, verified testing in the 40, the pro agility, the vertical, also specific uh, drills when it comes to a kid's position group. But, Steve, you've had a number of kids that you've trained and, and your coaches have trained that are playing major D1 ball. That's awesome, and those kids a lot of times get on the radar, but there's there's so much opportunity out there, isn't there, for, for kids, maybe not at D1, but maybe a D2, or pick a, pick a program in the state or out of state where if kids want to continue their mm-hmm. career after high school, this is a great idea at least to help get on the radar. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different opportunities for kids. You know, of course, everybody wants to go play Division One football, but, um, you know, there, there's great football. There's great experiences at the lower levels as well. And we're always preaching to our kids that if you don't get that D1 opportunity, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a terrible college experience. Um, I've had a lot of friends and, that played Division Two, played NAIA, and had the time of their lives and um, went and got free education out of it. So, that, that's the way that, to, to look at it is, you know, if you don't play Division One, it's not the end of the world. Everybody wants to make it to that level. And, of course, you should strive to, you know, to, to, to make it to that level. But if you don't, there's still opportunities out there. And so we try to open up the door to expose kids to all the different colleges and um, the different levels of play around here. And we've had kids that played at every level, um, and, and I've never had one come back and say they've regretted it. Steve, a, a topic today that, that Matt Lubick focused in on was was confidence, and I think uh, that has a part, too, with Coach Frost talking about wanting to get maybe an extra home game ahead of Buffalo after the Illinois opener. You know, this team's got talent, Nebraska does, but they they need to, to build that confidence. And, you know, that's is that something you're able to, to witness with the Warren Academy? Yeah, kids are getting better. But they're they're also growing their confidence, correct? With with the training, they see it translate onto the field. Is that is that something you take pride in? Yeah, absolutely. We you know we see the kids um, not only growing physically, um, but their maturity levels growing. Um, and along with that, you know, come with comes with the the, the confidence. And um, once they get to a point where they put in the work, they've done the training. Um, they've listened to the coaches, and then they go out on the field and they can apply it. And it takes just that one time for it to click, and then you see the confidence grow instantly. So we're we're always trying to trying to make sure that kids understand that you know it's a process. So it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but belief in yourself is key. Like if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is. That process is easier said than done, isn't it, man? With patience, it is. <laughs> How have you been able? How have you been able to? to yeah, how have you been able to preach that patience to the kids? Uh, it, it's it's really just consistency. Just mm-hmm. keep the same message, keep the same approach, um, making sure that kids celebrate the little the little successes. Um, sometimes people just look for the big things all the time, and they have to think about the little things that they're achieving, and you know, getting better in one area 
is still a success. You know, you may not reach the, the, the pinnacle of where you're trying to be at, but every day if you're coming in and working, you're going to continue to get better. So you have to celebrate the little things um, just as much as you celebrate the big things. Steve Warren's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Steve, it takes hours and hours of preparation just to get that, you know, that one chance, uh, whether it be at, in high school football, college football, what have you. So where do you stand in, in the kind of the argument that the two sides of, of the, the multi-sport athlete in high school uh, trying to use multiple sports to get themselves prepared or, or the guys that specialize in one sport and spend the rest of your uh, training uh, to get that chance? You know, obviously you see it on both sides. There's guys that, that, that play multiple sports and they are successful. There's guys that focus on one sport and they're successful as well. As well. I'm more on the side of being a multi-sport athlete because I think that you can never take away the experiences of competing year-round. Um, once you go into, like, training mode all the time, you know, you're not competing all the time. Um, but when you're a multi-sport athlete, you're constantly in competition, and you're diversifying your athleticism, right? Like, you're, you're learning how to move in different sports. You're learning how to get coached by different people. Um, and that's important uh, of not just hearing the same voices over and over again because sometimes those voices get repetitive and sometimes those voices are only telling what you want to hear. So it's always good to get a different voice and to hear, um, you know, a different, uh, a, 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 different, a different language of when it's coming to be, you know, being athletic and being competitive. And um, I'm, I'm more on the side of, you know, being an athlete, especially when you're young. Um, once, you're, once you're done and you go to college, like, you're, you're going to specialize. But if you if you if you can be successful and play multiple sport multiple sports or why not like we're always telling our kids like go go play as many sports as you can um, you don't need to specialize yet like it's it, there's 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 really no reason for it in our opinion like if, unless you're just not good at the other sport you're going to sit on the bench I can see that but if you're a kid that's going to be competitive and you're going to be starting you're going to be playing or contributing go play. Steve Warren's with us, the uh, Open Underclassmen Showcase with the Warren Academy going on Saturday from 10 to 3. And uh, for more information on that, can uh, log on joindream.org, the Dream Foundation, the Warren Academy. Steve, got a couple minutes left, and uh, what are you looking at for Nebraska as a, uh, as a black shirt, as a Husker national champion? What are, you, uh, what are you interested in for Nebraska this spring? Well, I, I think just... Well, like you said before, the confidence level. Um, we've, we, we, we hope that the talent level is growing. We have, unfortunately, we haven't seen it happening too much in the last few years, but we've seen them get better on defense for sure. Mm-hmm. So defensively, I'm looking for them to take the next step, especially with the guys that they have coming back um, and be more dominant and hopefully be able to change some of those close games and the wins on the defensive side of the ball and help the offense out if they're struggling um, and score a little bit ourselves on defense. So, Defensively, I'm excited to see those guys that are that are coming back and um, and, and being contributors and, and hopefully leading this team in a, in a different direction this year. I know they're going to be kind of young at some of the skill positions on offense, um, and they've lost a few guys here and there. But you know, sometimes it's it's better to you know so there's there's addition by subtraction, right? So we'll see if that's one of those things, and we'll see if the team is uh, uh, gelled together or, or coming together by some of these. Um, losses that they've had, you know, in personnel. But, you know, hopefully their confidence is growing. And that's, you know, confidence is key as, as an athlete. Um, everybody at the Division One level is talented, right? Or you're not going to be there. 
but everybody doesn't have the confidence and doesn't have the mentality. So hopefully that we see the confidence and the mentality grow and, and that translates into wins. A guy that's uh, done a lot of work with you that uh, Nebraska's happy to have is Thomas Fedoni. And, uh, you know, he's a guy in a, in a tight end room that's uh, old, long on the tooth uh, with, with the experience there. But there's some positive returns already just from the, the winter conditioning with Thomas. And just a quick thought here about a minute on Thomas and, and uh, what he can bring uh, athletically to that tight end room. He's a competitor. Um, that's the one thing that I've always loved about Thomas, that any time there was a chance to come out and compete or to catch balls or, or to get some work in, he was one of the first guys through the door, um, and he never shied away from that. So I think that's, that's one thing they're going to get from him is a guy that loves to come to work and loves to compete, and hopefully that's contagious um, because you need those guys and you need everybody to have that mentality. Um, but athletically, you know, he's, he's a very skilled very, very skilled tight end. Um, so I think that they'll, that, that if they use him right, if they, if they get him in the right positions, that he'll be a mismatch out there on the field and, and be able to use that size and that skill to, to make plays. You know, Coach McBride told us last Thursday that he thinks you led the team one year in interceptions. You had three one year. Is that true? Uh, that was actually Will. Uh, oh, it was Will. Actually, was the one that <laughs> that was actually Jason Wilson that got the interceptions. I was the one batting the balls down. My <laughs> hands weren't soft enough, so I just knocked the balls out of the air. Okay, so <laughs> we'll talk to Charlie here in 25 minutes, and he's like, "Yeah, Steve may have had the best hands on the team." I was like, "We'll have to tell yeah. Steve that." <laughs> yeah, Wilson, Wilson had a couple of interceptions. I, uh, um, I was I wasn't lucky enough to catch any out of pluck any out of the air. All right, we'll 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 make sure Coach gets it on the money. But hey, you got the assist there. You got the deflection. I like it. Go uh, be a part of the underclassmen showcase with the Warren Academy if you've got uh, young athletes, uh, 2022 through 2024, uh, and uh, join dream.orgs where you can log on and find more info. Uh, Husker standout and Warren Academy founder Steve Warren with us. Steve, have a good week and congrats on this Saturday. Hey, same to you guys, and then thanks for having me. Appreciate you. There he is, Steve Warren with us on Hale City Radio. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Coming up, we'll have some comments from Coach Chenander. Charlie McBride will be with us Mondays with Charlie. Five after the hour. And thanks to Steve Warren, the Warren Academy uh, Showcase on Saturday. Good to talk with Steve there. And some spring ball thoughts from Steve. We'll have that interview up here in a moment. ESPNLincoln.com. Also on Twitter, if you want to catch Steve's comments, if you just caught part of it. So a couple more thoughts here uh, from Scott Frost. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865 or email chris at halevarsity.com. So we kind of dove into the confidence uh, discussion point, and, and that was hit on by Coach Lubick. And I think a, a cleaner picture, think about your own lives during COVID and just how disruptive it has been or may still be with work, with kids, with finances, with, with life, right, where it was so choppy because – Maybe you came down with it. Maybe you had a loved one, whatever the case. And it wasn't normal. There wasn't consistency. And that that hit the football team and every football team 
and it just kind of depends on on what type of team you have and you are. And I think you're going to be able to see again. Scott Frost will touch on it here in a moment, but I think you're going to see a different team. You should anyway. You should see a different team fundamentally this 2021 season than you saw last year. I think that's so important, and Coach McBride always touches on it, the fundamentals. Are you tackling? <laughs> are you using technique? Are you, are you blocking? Are you holding? Are you turning the ball over? Are you committing penalties? I mean, all those things that have plagued Nebraska football for a while. But uh, Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity asked about culture, and that's been kind of an ongoing topic here. And is it is it getting better? I mean, I was encouraged as much as I was discouraged by the Oklahoma narrative and conversation a few weeks back that really got addressed finally today by Coach Scott Frost. The thinking behind it and, and really kind of called out about it, not negatively, but just some direct questions by Eric Olson on it are you know where's this team at culturally because the culture is going to help with the confidence confidence is going to help with the 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 between the white lines portion of action and that's where Nebraska football needs to get better but it starts way before you kick off here is Frost on culture well culture isn't just a big deal last couple years I think it's always a big deal it probably gets talked about until people are tired of hearing about it but when you have uh, good camaraderie good leadership good culture built on your team uh, you give yourself a great chance Uh, those things aren't easy to build I walked into a program here when I transferred back where the culture was already there and we just had to assimilate to it and then try to pass it on to the next group and we've been in a process of trying to get the thing built here the way we want it you can't do it without good leaders I think that's why it's important that we have uh, some of the guys coming back to join us again this year Uh, some of the young guys that we have need to step up and grab the mantle and be the leaders you know we're closer than we've ever been of having a culture the way that the coaching staff wants it Uh, I think the key to that is making sure the players take ownership in it that they feel comfortable around each other that they care about each other and willing to fight for each other those things are tough to build when you can't even be in the same meeting room through a COVID year so we had some ground to make up there and um made a conscious effort to get our guys around each other in some of those situations and uh, feel good about uh, the teammates we have on this team right now and, and where we are. We still have a lot to do and a lot to build on, but I, I think those things help. You know, are, are the younger guys going to follow and listen to the older guys? I think it really kind of comes down to that. Was that always uniform last year? Doesn't sound like it. Don't know that for a fact, but You know, are the older guys that are trying to set the example and are the guys getting snaps in important games and important moments? A, are they getting the job done? B, are they guys that you can learn from? And and C, are you listening to them? You know, what's that older? I've always in my life when I've had an older person in front of me for whatever it is, and they're kind enough to show me the ropes on things I've tried to absorb, be respectful and then go execute it, right? Because someone took the time to show you the way, so to speak. And uh, Elijah, I'm sure, is a guy who played ball in one of the, the, the more revered programs in high school balls, Southeast football. I mean, they've been good for, for decades. You played a lot in your career, and you played some early. You, you were the right size, had the right mentality, had the right work ethic, you had the talent. But there's somebody in front of you at some point you had to listen to, 
and watch, observe, and soak in what they were doing. Oh, yeah, I had multiple guys that ended up going and playing for the Huskers in front of me I got to learn from. I got Gerald Foster. He was a mm-hmm. senior when I was a freshman. I had Finn Anderson. He was a senior when I was a sophomore. Uh, I played with a guy like Brock Bando, who, even though he transferred to IMG. Uh, we were the same age. I learned a lot from him just because he was a high-level guy. Um, it, it's it's vitally important that the coaches don't have time to sit down one-on-one individually with every single guy on the team and say... Are you getting it? Exactly. Whereas you can go to an older guy and say... Hey, I, I think I get this technique. Am I doing this right? You want to you want to look at me do this pass set and see if there's anything I can improve Why am I on? not playing more? Well, let me tell you why you're not playing more. <laughs> <laughs> Your technique's sloppy. You don't weigh enough or you weigh too much. You don't know what play we're running. I mean, a peer can give it back. Oh yeah, a guy who's Completely a guy who's got, it back. and he's gotten the coaching from the he's going to give you the exact same thing the coach is going to give you as long as he's learned from the coach and he's taken it and implemented it in his game. If you see it in his game, you can ask him and say, "What did you work on to get this down?" Because I am just struggling with it right now. The, the key is to not have like I, I didn't take parenting lessons from Alec Baldwin. Right, right. <laughs> Took him from my dad. Right, you don't want the the Alec Baldwin of 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 players there giving horrible examples. Right, you don't want to poison the well. Uh, what can Adrian do? What's his next step? This was Scott Frost on where his quarterback can go. Yeah, starting with Adrian, um, I expect Adrian to be the player that that he expects to be this year. That everybody expects to be him to be. Um, you know, he's he's done some things in a Nebraska uniform that are exceptional. I really want to see him limit the mistakes and the bad plays. Talk to him about this, but uh, the Rutgers game, Rutgers game, the last game of the year, was an example. Uh, you know, I think he was 24 or 28 or something like that with a bunch of yards rushing and a bunch of yards passing and two fumbles and two interceptions and one other really bad play. And other than like other than that, he played like a all-conference player. If he can uh, make sure and, and be efficient and not make those mistakes, he's got enough talent to carry us as far as as we want to go excited to see his continued development and growth so let's go back to to adrian and and i i think with you know part of the why 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 is there so many turnover issues with adrian why are there inconsistencies with him does he have talent yes we've seen it is his health where it needs to be and can he stay healthy and is he getting help from the other 10? Is the offensive line going to be at a point where they can give a good run game or provide holes for a good run game? Is there a couple of backs behind Adrian that can carry the football so it's not Adrian or whoever at quarterback all the time running the quarterback draw? And you got wideouts and get open. I mean, I, I think there's a point where he was trying to do too much. And, and now, you know, it's year four. Get some help around him and let the game come to him. Some final thoughts, Hour 1. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Charlie McBride's 10 minutes away and then room for you next hour. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Our friends at West Blue Realty eager to help you move. So uh, if you're looking for that residential home in Lincoln or surrounding area, give West Blue Realty 
a ring today. Log on westbluerealty.com. For a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity. West Blue can provide up to $1,000. On the closing of your next home purchase, Tom Luby, give Tom a shout at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, fantastic as well at 402-202-2312. It pays to work with West Blue, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment today, 1120 K Street. Sweet 200. So uh, another thought here from Scott Frost before we uh, head into Coach McBride, specifically uh, the question, are you, uh, are you going to be uh, less reliant on the quarterback run game? Fair question. Uh, I love the quarterback run game as a compliment, uh, not as the only option with the offense, but here was Coach Frost's response. I want to really dial in on fundamentals this year. Uh, when you talk about getting ready for a season without a spring ball and a fall camp, some of the improvements that we needed to make on some of the basic things uh, are tougher to do when you're getting a team ready to play week one with a broken fall camp. So we're really going to focus on on being a physical team, on fundamentals up front, uh, fundamentals in the run game, on defense. I think if we get really good at those things, then some of our base things will work a little bit better. Uh, then we can get creative with some others. But I, I told the team we need to be able to hang our hat on the, the things that we do and do them well, have those turn into positives for us. If we can lean on those things, then, then we'll be able to make some plays with some other creative things. So that is Scott Frost. Uh, do we have time for the size of the O-line or not? Yeah, all right. Well, back to the offensive philosophy. Will Nebraska be more more power-based, and here's how Scott answered that. Yeah, I guess it's safe to say that. You know, a lot of the plays that people run in, in spread, Sam, it, are the same plays that, that we used to run in shotgun. It's just from a different formation. Uh, it's still zone. It's still power. It's still counter. It's still outside zone, wide zone. You know, you can be physical in those things, whether you're snapping the ball to a quarterback under center or, or in shotgun. And, and that's where we've needed to improve. I think we have made improvements still have some improvement to make, uh, but it's certainly going to give us a better chance to, to compete and, and win in the, in the physical battle when, when we're a bigger, stronger, faster football team. Uh, so between recruiting and, and the work Zach and his group's done, I think we're going to have a chance to fight with and, and hopefully win our share of the battles all year, and size definitely helps. That's what she said. Thank you, Michael Scott. That episode was on yesterday. Which that, there's so many. The one where it was the giant review of HR by oh, corp, yeah. corporate, <laughs> corporate, and then Toby had to sit through it all. And Michael invokes Dwight and all of the spies, and it was just really weird and awkward about how Michael Scott runs the show. Thank you for dropping in. That's what she said. Yeah, I've been waiting to use that button on the show for a while now, and I finally saw my chance. <laughs> More sophomoric humor in hour two. Yes. All right. Well, hey, you got big wideouts, big running backs, giant offensive line. Just go ground and pound it, baby. Charlie McBride on the way. Hour two at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, plenty from Scott Frost last hour as he met the media, getting ready for spring ball as it gets underway tomorrow. Hear from Coach Janander here this hour. We'll have some thoughts on Husker baseball. Another sweep for the Big Red. Uh, Barry Alvarez retiring at some point, and uh, the Sweet 16. Now uh, the Elite Eight. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, Mondays with Charlie. Coach, uh, it's nice to spend a few minutes with you again on a Monday. How are you doing? Good. Perfect day. Yeah, we've got uh, 40-mile-per-hour winds, but it's at least 75 outside. <laughs> we got winds that blown on the other side of the lake. We. <laughs> That's for them that we worry about. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> Not here yet. <laughs> Well, I want to start off uh, with a lot of different topics with spring ball. And, you know, one thing that was kind of focused on was, again, this whole topic of confidence, be it uh, the scheduling situation or guys getting the playbook down and then playing faster to help build their confidence. But what, what was it about the, the Husker power mentality? The all the winter conditioning, and specifically with the strength and conditioning program, their their testing performance numbers uh, when it comes to drills and workouts that was special to you. That was special to a lot of the guys, wasn't it? When it was yeah. right around the corner of all right, here's some guys performing on pro day for NFL scouts. Great. Well. By the way, here's your here's your winter testing. It's kind of like your final exam. What did that do for guys? <laughs> well, I think probably the thing is is with the whole winter program was built around players working together, you know, and and getting you know, to, and especially with the young guys to get to know each other and to get, you know, it's it's kind of a time that. You know, you go right into the summer. You you got to kind of look at it as though it's one continuous thing. Uh, you know, when you when you have spring ball, I think most of the players, you know, r- rely on on a good on a good lifting program and a good agility program and you know strength program overall. So. I think that that, that mo- a lot of times will motivate them. If they, if they work at it, they'll improve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times some players, you know, have other issues, weight issues, maybe, you know, overweight type of things that, you know, can block a little bit of that stuff because they don't take care of themselves in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's some of that. But I think when you, when you, you know, when you look at it all, when they start seeing the pro scouts coming in and they start seeing these things, that that kind of motivates them a little bit and adds to, you know, some of them that really want to try to get to the next level. Um, you know, believe it or not, there's some guys that just want to get a good education and 
they love the game of football, and if they can play, they that's fine. If they can't, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so you got a little different mentality, but the, the the winning part is all part of it. And you know, you know, you find guys that don't had have an interest to to go on that are really good college players. You know, uh, maybe they're not big enough or this or that, but they're really good players. And they're just happy as heck just to be part of it. You know, that mentality uh, of winning is is so key. Did you ever sense a a team you were a part of that, that had confidence issues in big games? That didn't? No, did they? Was there ever a sense that guys had confidence, guys or a team had confidence issues in big games? Well, I don't think we ever had guys that didn't think they couldn't win. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, I think through through the program and through the, you know, the leadership part of it, um, you know, it was really important. I don't think, I don't, I don't ever remember, well, I know coaches don't. We go into every game, we can win it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I would think the players are on that same level. that They're not going out there and just out there just to, past the time of day they're out there to try to upset somebody if they're better they're said to be better you know so it's not a i mean it's a continual thing and and the, that's why i've always said you never take anybody for granted when you're a good football team and you know it you better be careful and you better not ever take anybody for granted that uh you know i think i've only gone to one game re- in Reality, I know we haven't had we haven't had a great you know that last three years or so hadn't been great, but the Michigan game at Michigan was the only game that I was really thought that our players you know uh, didn't try hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was you know I think you beat yourself is what you do. Sure, uh, most of the time when you do win and. Or you, or you get to a point where you, you've got too much of a load on your mind. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I think spring practice is really, really important that you, fundamentally and, and, you know, get to, get to play your base, the defenses you want to play without mistakes. And um, I know that we had more, we had 20 days now, they got 15. Mm-hmm. So you know you can't. You got to be careful if you're going to load it all on them at once. You can't expect them to come in and be perfect when they come in. So uh, I remember just the fact that we probably didn't put everything in. You know that we had during spring ball. We put in the stuff that was the heart and soul of our defense. But the important thing was that everybody understood what they're doing. Get get the base down, correct? That's it. Yeah, it, get the basics down. It, it, if the better they know the defense, the better they'll play. Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, there's a lot of guys on this this team. <clears throat> when we look at this spring season, just how it's how important it is because they'll really get a chance to develop maybe for the first time since they've been on campus. It's not that they haven't been working or there's not been practice but this last year's just been nuts coach well that's that's the hardest thing for a player to do is try to 
get himself out there and be in mental stress and not be able to play like he can play. And I think, you know, we didn't care if people knew what we were doing. We're just going to play it better than they can play it. (laughs) You know, I mean, we just, we weren't tricky. I mean, we had things that we were pretty much positive. You know, you never say never, but that our players knew exactly what to do um, and we had things we could fall back on if we got something we didn't, you know, we didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, defenses that we could adjust anything in. Uh, so, you know, if you get, it gives you time. In other words, if you saw something that you didn't work on or you didn't play, then um, you have to have a defense you can you know, your base defense, you should be able to play everything in. Mm. And you go right back to that until you can, as coaches, get it straightened out on the sideline as fast as you can and, uh, you know, adjust to it. Um, sometimes teams can't do that because players aren't that far along. Mm. And if it's a real young team, that's hard to do. If it's an older team, it's easy to do. You know, they could, they understand it. They've done it before. It's 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 not a big uh, brain thing thing for them. It's mm-hmm. uh, they just go do it when you uh, you know make the adjustment. Well, you've uh, you've answered the question uh, where fans are out there screaming, "Why don't they make adjustments in the second half?" Well, <laughs> maybe you're trying, and maybe it's uh, it's not quite a two way street yet with uh, the the adjustments to be made and to be executed. Correct. Well, what I did was, if you make the adjustments, I think a lot of times if you play your base defense, you play it well, you play some blitzes, you have some pressure packages, but you, the, the, the ability to be able to change, change your pressure packages and not change the coverage. Right. Uh, you know, change the, the assignments of the guys up front. But I, it, when you start changing your coverage a lot of times, you know, and you get – you know, you get too many coverages or too many of this and too many of that. You know, I, a lot of times I blame it on the coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes coaches want to be rocket scientists, you know, and they can stop everything, but they forgot that the player doesn't under, you know, can't handle it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's important that when you go through the spring, you realize you know, the younger players aren't going to quite catch on. They, like the older players know the terminology and all of this stuff is is completely new to them. All these young guys that came in early in the semester, oh, they came in all excited. To have, they're going to have spring practice. And they find out all the stuff that's going to be poured, in, poured on their heads. They're going to start wondering, maybe, maybe I better think this over. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, you feel because overwhelmed. there is a lot of things to learn in 15 days. Yeah. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie Hale, Varsity Radio, talking spring ball and its importance. Coach, uh, I want to talk to you about Barry Alvarez, and the news kind of broke over the weekend that, that he's going to retire, and it sounds like sometime this summer. What's your reaction to, to Barry uh, hinting at retirement, and we don't know when, but you know, I know how close you are with Coach Christ and, and you, how close you are with Wisconsin because you coached up there, but what's your overall takeaway with Coach Alvarez? Well, 
Well, you look at his age. You know, I mean, it's it, that's you want to have some time in your life when you're you're not you know don't have the pressure of running a program and it. You know, after a while, that that gets old. I mean, it, it's not old, with, you know, when you're a competitive guy like Barry is. But you know, because you, you you're by your competitiveness, you're you're forced. You're almost forced to do. It. Force sounds like a bad word, but it to do a good job like he's done and to mm-hmm. continue doing it, not to fall back. I think a lot of times, pretty soon, you realize that. You know, it's time for you to you just feel it. You know that it's time to go. I mean, he's he's in his you know middle seventies probably right now, and you know that's a long time for a guy to to be you know be doing the things he's been doing and be involved in athletics ever from from the time he started to you know and the time through going through Nebraska and going through Iowa and all those things and recruiting and becoming a head coach and going on and doing all the things he's accomplished, I think he feels like he's probably done what he can do. And there might be somebody younger that has a little more juice than than he's turning out. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a good, I, I think he's doing the right thing. I mean, it's, you know, you, you can't, I just, I just don't think your mind, you know, a lot of guys kid themselves. Um, I know as time went on, Frank Broyles was having some mental problems, you know, and and trying to stay with the job and do it. And, and you know, I mean, pretty soon you, you know, you get old enough and that dementia is going to set in and everything. And then pretty soon you're not doing a good enough job to handle everything. Mm-hmm. Coach, before we let me let you go, uh, Coach Frost talked this morning about releasing the Husker uh, performance numbers from their uh, their winter conditioning program. And I saw on Twitter just now that they've released five guys who had a score of 500-plus points in both their strength index and their performance index. That's uh, Damian Jackson, uh, Chris Kalarevich, uh, Deontay Williams, Cam Jurgens, and Cam Taylor-Britt. So just what does a score of 500-plus in their strength index and performance index even really mean? That's kind of a, a foreign concept to me. Well, I, I can't tell you because I don't know what their 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 how they you know grade their players. Mm-hmm. I I would guess that if there's some guys that I I don't know if they did it they do it on an improvement uh, from the beginning of the testing when they test the first time to the they test the last time or the you know the final test before spring ball. <clears throat> you know, then that may be some guys that have really improved in a in a in a in a hurry, um, a lot of times the guys that are really already in good shape and have been around and have done things probably may not, you know, make that improvement. But yet, you know, you don't. They're not to be criticized for it because you can only you can only do so much. I mean, I, I we used to say, oh yeah, some kids say I can put on 25 pounds in the bench press or whatever it is in the summer. And I'll tell you what, if you do, you're Superman. <laughs> and I always looked if the guy could put 15 pounds on or something like that. I thought that was improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz that's it's not easy for some of these things to to happen. Once you hit a level, you hit a you hit a wall. Mm-hmm. Once you hit the wall, that's where you have to, you know, that's where it doesn't happen as fast anymore. And uh, so I don't know all the things they're putting into their grading system. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of it, 
you know, is going to depend on the, the, the player himself and his effort. I know we had players that would go out and, you know, in spring ball and actually run after practice and do some things, you know, to try to get in better shape because they just felt like they, you know, even in spring ball, they could play better if they were in better shape. And then that's by, you know, by running. And so we had some kids that would go out and run, you know, in the off days and stuff like that. Charlie McBride's with us Mondays with Charlie. Coach, we'll talk next Monday. Stay out of that wind. Okay, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the time today. Okay, guys. Talk to you later. Bye now. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride on spring ball. His thoughts, his takeaway as the spring goes on. We'll dive a little bit further in. Uh, wide open, the uh, rest of the show for you. You want to chime in? 466-3776-800-825-5865. You uh, excited as a Nebraska fan for the return of spring football? It has been a while, and you... Uh, you talk to older players, and they just kind of just, yeah, it's it's another grind uh, to get through spring ball, but it's so vital for the young guys. And we'll see if within the next few weeks, Nebraska can get things moved from November 13th to September 4th. It's one of my main takeaways. I mean, there, there's a lot talked about and a lot of emphasis placed on Samari Toure, about what he can do and has done already for that wide receiver room, kind of coming in and being a pro, not only a lead-by-example guy, but but a wow factor with him. He's going to start out in the slot. And uh, just the overall size of Nebraska's team, that's all well and good. But uh, from a confidence in, in a buildup and a launching point, that's uh, that's important for Nebraska to – to get things, the, the little things right, this continuous process. You're now in phase two into spring ball off of winter conditioning. But as we uh, look to the future here, if September 4th can can be the new home game for Nebraska, Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana, that would be beneficial where you get a chance maybe to start 3-0 and or 2-1 and or get a win uh, while also having uh, a home game and an advantage because you're playing at home. Uh, last thought here from Scott Frost, special teams was discussed, and uh, Coach Dawson is going to head that up. So uh, not only is it a title, but you've got a guy that's been a part of many different programs in his career that he's had that on his plate. He's had the ability to be a special teams coach and coordinator and, and help kind of distribute what he needs to distribute. We'll hear from Coach Chenander in a little bit. We'll dive into some Husker baseball and some Sweet 16 thoughts. But here is Frost. Uh, last thought here from Scott Frost for us today on special teams and uh, and Coach Dawson. Yeah, you know, last year we divvied it up to the entire coaching staff. That that model was tough. That model was especially tough in a COVID year. Mike Dawson's going to do it for us now. He's been a special teams coach at a lot of different places and at the one one A level. Uh, so he's going to be the lead for us on all the special teams and and certainly get a lot of help from the other assistants, just like we had last year. But uh, Mike's going to take the lead on it, and uh, as long uh, as well as coaching outside linebackers. So excited for for much needed progress there. It's got to happen. 
and it sounds like it's an it's an emphasis, and that's to win special teams. Uh, Bill Bush is going to be a defensive analyst. He's been great on special teams and phenomenal as a recruiter over his college career. Here's Frost on Bush. Bill's obviously an accomplished coach. I think it's a great works out great for us and for him. You know, he's got family in Lincoln. I don't think without that, we'd have an opportunity to have him in the role that we have him in. But Bill's going to help primarily with the defense, just off the field uh, schematics and things with helping our coaches. I'm sure he'll give a hand uh, to Coach Doss on special teams, too. Uh, He brings a lot of expertise to the table that I think our coaches will be able to utilize. So, you know, the the question was asked today, you know, what what do you expect from this defense? And I think it's fair to, to pin on them strength of the team okay they they are by numbers by experience they are going to be the strength of your football team uh, because so much is coming back they've also been the unit that's shown the most improvement right you saw them get better you've saw them be more physical you've saw them really step up against the run which is so key in the big 10 there's things they can get better in but they uh, they are going to be that that flag-carrying part of the football team that you can hope day in, day out, every Saturday, they're going to show up to work and and win their phase of the football game and then help out the offense. Coach Chenander today just uh, was able to expand a little bit here on, on just how much the defense can improve. You know, if you, if you look at kind of what we, we had going on last year. Um, the missed tackles, you know, were down from whatever. I had it on a piece of paper this morning, 11-something, down to 8-something per game. If you can get that down um, a little lower and you can uh, hold teams. I think we were giving up about five explosives a year last year, or excuse me, a game last year. Um, if you can get that down another couple, and then if you can um, find a way to create two or more turnovers a game, you know, those are the improvements. Then, then you're talking about what, what seems like a, a – you know, a little thing that we're talking about turns out to be a huge thing when you're talking about where you're ranked in defense and the amount of points you give up and ultimately the amount of wins you get. So I think you, you always have to, you know, you can expect a lot of improvement, but you have to put it in front of the guys in, in you know, obtainable situations. And if you can break it down as small as you can um, and try to accomplish those goals, then, then a lot of improvement is very reachable. So, more from Chenander here when it comes to uh, guys that are back on the defensive side of the ball. I'm really pleased with those guys coming back. I think they're going to be uh, very instrumental to what we're trying to do, and uh, I'm just really happy when they all when they all said they were coming back. So, let's turn to the young guys here. Let's turn to Jamari Butler, and let's turn to Nash Huttmacher. Uh, let's look at some of those young pups, uh, Braxton Clark. Uh, Phil Darius Payne, not young, but let's see what, what can grow in his role. Uh, here is Chenander on some of those young guys and uh, some of the young pups, their goals for spring ball. You know, I, I love spring football um, because I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to to work with guys like you mentioned, um, Blaze and Jamari, and a, a lot of other uh, you know newer faces, guys that might have been here last year and redshirted and or were injured or didn't get a lot of reps. Uh, so I, I love spring football, being able to work with those guys and just watching those guys get better every day. Um, sometimes, like like you mentioned, you know, when you're in the middle of the season and you're game planning for an opponent and you're you know getting the the first one or two groups 
groups ready. Uh, sometimes there's not a, a ton of time that can be spent with those those younger guys, but we all know that those younger guys are going to be, um, you know, they're, they're the, the foundation on, on what we've got to build for the future. So it's great in spring ball to be able to get hands-on with those guys and really watch them get meaningful reps and, and play alongside, you know, the ones and the twos as we interject those guys in the lineup. So back to the question here, what can this defense be? You know, defense was fair to say a pleasant surprise last year, right? You, you knew that uh, you had a, a special player in Cam Taylor Britt, but dude's making his, his first full-time uh, role at corner. Not that he hadn't played it before, but he had played some safety for you. He'd played some corner, and man, was he dynamite uh, along with that secondary. They really played well. They really were physical. They did a good job against the run when asked to, but, man, they were good against the pass. And uh, the Penn State game is is one bluebird you can take with you. Defensively, though, uh, I, I think it's it's pretty obvious with where there's two areas Nebraska needs to gain. Do they have the personnel to, to make jumps? What type of, uh, of next level can these guys who came back where can they go, right? And can you get some some more TFLs from a Damian Daniels? Can you get some more sacks from a from a Ben Stilley? Uh, I, I think you feel great about a Rodgers and Ty Robinson at the point of attack against the run. Their next step is to to get after the quarterback a little bit. And it doesn't have to be for even a hit or a tackle, but move the dude off his spot, right? And from an outside linebacker standpoint, we'll hear from JoJo Doman here in about 15 minutes. You know, JoJo's special because of, of, of what he can do in coverage, what he can do in just having a nose for reading a, an offense and then going and making a play. He was so key of some TFLs last year. But what about that opposite side, right? What do you get with that guy that can go get the quarterback because that is the one piece to this defense that will turn them from serviceable slash good to good slash, dare I say, dominant, Okay, they've made strides against the run. They're not getting pushed around. There's some depth there. But, man, can they get after the quarterback? And then once you get after the quarterback, what happens? Well, you get some turnovers. Look at the turnovers they were able to to create uh, against Northwestern with a little bit of pressure. Look at the turnovers they were able to create against uh, Purdue. And they really beat the hell out of Purdue. I mean, that's a game you felt throwback time because they were smoking the quarterback every other play so that's that's where and I, I honestly Elijah I don't know if they've got a guy on the roster right now that is Randy Gregory or Neil Smith I mean those are some greats I'm talking about but uh, give me a dude that can get after the quarterback and do you have to scheme it up so you're blitzing somebody all the time and if your secondaries is is good and is experienced, then just ask them to lock down. But it was a luxury, you know, 10, 11 years ago where you could just rush four with a guy named Sue and uh, Barry Turner and, and Pierre Allen and Jared Crick and drop seven into coverage. Good luck finding a window. So th- that's Nebraska's next step is is finding somebody or getting 
somebody after the quarterback and then also converting some of those pressures into takeaways. And, and as you said, it's not all about actually getting the, the hit on the quarterback and getting the sack. It's about the guy that has to get chipped off the line by a tight end and then the tight end has to worry about blocking a guy before if, he hits his route. Or it's a running back who doesn't get a swing out and get those easy four yards because there's a defensive end screaming off the edge and he has to stay in and, and block that guy and make sure. It's, it's not all about actually getting the sacks it's about just disrupting the offense and disrupting the passing game enough that uh your secondary can cover the rest of the guys downfield or your linebacker has more of a chance because the tight end has to stay in and, and chip the defensive end and that's that's why having a pass rusher is so important it's just because it can affect what an offense does like their entire passing game can be changed because of one guy in the defensive line yeah i mean you've got you've got a game wrecker Yes. If you do on that roster, if you have a game record on that roster, it, it can let others go eat, and it can be uh, game-changing for you. And some of those close ball games you've lost turn into wins. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about here for 2021 because you're in, you're in phase two of four phases for a successful 2021 season. Why'd JoJo come back? He'll tell you. Coming up here shortly on Hale Varsity Radio, uh, we'll dive into some Husker baseball. Will Bolt needs to buy more brooms. Man, Husker baseball's rolling offensively. They took down the goofers. And uh, a couple of thoughts on Barry Alvarez stepping away. Hale Varsity continues. Great to be with you on a Monday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. So I'm a little frightened. Junior's been doing training for baseball, but he's doing training with a guy named Jose who's got a mullet and wears this 40 for 40 t-shirt around. That go over your head? Yeah, a little bit. Conseco. I was wondering if that's where you're going, but I didn't know Conseco had a mullet. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I just thought it was like the roids. I, I, no, no, no. I mean, Conseco had, it wasn't the glorious curly mullet you'd have to feed in water, but it was one of those uh, dark-haired, long mullets with the high, short sides. Mm, mm. Kind of like a... Uh I'd almost call it like a lacrosse mullet. The type like, a, of guys. like a schlong. Yeah. Yeah, short here and then long in the back. That's what it's called? <laughs> I've have, heard I have the word schlong is for a much different kind. <laughs> I had no idea where you're going with that. <laughs> no, you've not heard it called that before. No. <laughs> I have heard schlong used for one. No, I know. <laughs> That's not what I'm using it for. <laughs> oh, wow. Now we got to mm, refocus. It's going to turn into two giggling losers just pissing this segment away that's sorry the, that's the second like middle school joke we've made today <laughs> i know <laughs> it wasn't it, it, i mean anywho he yeah you got to pick him up from uh, from training later so ah. i hope he hits straight ball very far curveball i have trouble with so listen it's year four you've got fundamentals that are the emphasis here clean football but it, it's time to say adios to uh Drive-killing fumbles, false starts, 
and, and do that attention to detail. It's encouraging. Listen, if you're JoJo Doman and you're, you're, you're Ben Stilley and you're Honus, you're, you're a bunch of guys that one more year and one more good year of tape is important for your future endeavors. endeavors. Same with, with JoJo Doman. But above all, their, their hearts kind of more in the right place. With, with why they came back. The group, Cam Taylor-Britt, I mean, they want to they wanna go out a winner. And we're not talking about winning the whole bleeping thing to continue with our, uh, our uh, major league movie drop theme. But legitimately, like, be a good football team. Beat some teams that you're supposed to beat. Beat some teams that you want to beat. And then get to postseason. JoJo was asked, you know, the, about the process today why'd you come back for a, a super senior year yeah a lot went into it um my personal development went into it and my commitment to this program um seeing it through the the idea i had when i came here was to return this place to the winning tradition that it ultimately is and to create a culture that lasts beyond my time here and with the opportunity to come back, just both of those doors are wide open waiting for us to walk through them. So I'm really excited for this next year. So JoJo Doman's going to be one of those guys as he takes people under his wing, as he continues to, to ball, that he's going to be able to help Nebraska achieve this reality or at least make progress towards it of playing good football all the time. Now, I ask you this, can Nebraska play good football all the time? Do you think they're ready to start doing that? And I can say yes if they follow through on on the talk. And the talk right now is fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals this spring. You didn't have uh, much of it last year. You had some young guys go in and play and didn't perform horribly. But you also had some old guys that went in and played, and they didn't perform horribly either, but they weren't as buttoned up as they should be. You just want a whole overall clean 2021, right? And and we'll see if, if again, phase two of the four phases here can make that a reality. So when we look at more from JoJo Doman and uh, what this uh, – this team can be uh, Jojo touches on the the rest of the crew. He told you about his decision from a cultural standpoint and wanting to leave football better than when I found it. Right. But this was more from Do- jo- Jojo explaining a bigger picture with the rest of his crew coming back. And then just with like the decision of all the guys, we, we had talked about it. Um, we actually got together after the season at my house and just kind of digressed on the season and how to move forward. And um, each individual had to make that decision for themselves, but also understanding that there is a power in numbers. And if we could get everybody back, uh, that would be big for our defense and for this team. So it was, it was awesome. And um, praise to God that we all came back and have this opportunity to I'm really attacked this next year and give it everything we got. Last time from Jojo Doman, you know, his expectations. What's what's the expectation for the defense in 2021? 
you should see uh, you should see leadership on all three on all three levels: D line, linebacker, and then the secondary. We're not invincible. We're going to get beat out there, but the but the way we rally and the way we hold down the fort and, and help control the game for our offense, um, getting more three and outs, forcing more turnovers, and making the game easier on them, giving them more opp- opportunities to score. Uh, that's what you're going to see from us. Okay. So, uh, good on it. There's a lot of Nebraska football for you today. We'll have some more thoughts tomorrow. We'll uh, run down Mitch Sherman, Rick Bezo, and uh, former Nebraska defensive assistant, get his take on spring ball. Rick Kaczynski will be with us. Pretty busy week for us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, you're going to want to check out the Steve Warren interview for sure. He uh, caught up with us in hour one, his take on spring ball. And uh, also the Warren Academy, the uh, upcoming showcase is Saturday, the 3rd of April for uh, underclassmen and also seniors at the high school level to kind of get on the radar. And Coach McBride went through uh, the spring football, his takeaways. So, Elijah, I know you retweeted the uh, performance numbers. It sounds like Frost said about everybody except seven people made pretty big time improvements. And again, back to this confidence talking point, you have championship immortality from the 90s players. You also have their performance numbers listed and etched in stone. And you have guys that can put the work in during winter conditioning and hit numbers, be it agility or strength or, or what have you, and get close to what some of those greats from 20, 25 years ago achieved. That's also, look, you put the work in and now you've seen, you've proven your performance. You've seen it. So that's just another little confidence booster that some of these guys can say, okay, man, here's the work I put in. Here's the result I got. I'm proud of what I did. See it all worked out and look how it compares to some of the guys that went on to win football so physically you've got some dudes down there that can go win your football games now it comes down to the mentality and it comes down to knowing you can go out there and win and trading in that hope and you can go out there and win and that was also good that the 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 leadership council said hell no we're playing oklahoma we'll wind down a monday next miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one final time, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, uh... Spring football gets going in earnest tomorrow. They'll uh, have some thoughts from Greg Austin and Super Mario on Wednesday, I believe, in person. That'll be cool to see those guys. We'll have a little bit of of commentary from from Coach Lubick we didn't have time for today. 
And then uh, plenty of thoughts uh, on uh, the NCAA tournament uh, moving forward. And, you know, last thought here on Barry Alvarez. And once he officially makes his announcement, I don't know if that's going to be in uh, in June or end of May or what. But Barry, you know, he'll uh, he'll be 75 here in, God, when is it? I, I think the next, this upcoming fall. So it's time for him to just kind of sit back and relax. And I don't see Wisconsin really dropping off or taking a dip because you've got the godfather Barry Alvarez system and blueprint and setup, and it's the Nebraska way that he took north, and they'll continue to recruit. They'll continue to develop. They'll be physical. They'll be tough. And as long as Chris is there, and Barry isn't going to go very far, I don't think, uh, they'll be fine. Yeah, the only way they can mess it up is if they bring in a new AD who decides to fire, you know, maybe a coach that just went eight and four and won his bowl game. Yeah, if if they go find their own version of Steve Peterson or a guy named Steve is on the line or Sean for that matter, uh, applying for the position, you hang up <laughs> <laughs> and you block the call. Okay, who are you betting tonight here for the Elite Eight? That'll get tipped off here shortly, about six fifteen on ESPN Lincoln. Houston and Oregon State, minus eight. Houston, and then you got seven and a half. Baylor over Arkansas. Man, this is a throwback ball game. The old Southwest Conference. Baylor would always spend money on football players that weren't very good. Arkansas would spend money, allegedly, on football players that were very talented. And they'd both end up on probation back uh, before the Big 12 was formed. And Arkansas went to the SEC. Give me Houston, give me Houston to cover, and uh, Arkansas survived. Arkansas is good. Baylor's great. Baylor didn't shoot that well last time out. I think they'll be more on point. Give me Baylor to cover. Give me the favorites to cover. Uh, I, I may check this out, but again, tomorrow night, man, when you got Gonzaga SC and UCLA Michigan, that's going to be pretty tasty. I'm going to go complete opposite. As you give me the underdogs to cover, Oregon State plus eight. We've seen what the Pac-12 can do this year. Uh, I'm never going to bet against a Pac-12 school the, with the, the rest of this tournament. The glass slipper has been chewed on by the Beavers. It does not fit anymore. Doesn't mean they can't cover an eight-point spread. I don't think they're winning. Don't give. Don't don't <laughs> don't get me wrong here. I don't think they win. I don't think either of these uh, these underdogs win. But I think they both cover. Give me Oregon State to cover eight, and give me Arkansas to cover seven and a half. But I think the favorites get the win in both. Okay. Do you want to do an early steak and a beer? Sure. All right, why not? Let's, let's combine it with the games. Oh, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. Well, we're early, so give me Gonzaga and... Oh. Think about it. Text me. Give, give me Gonzaga and Michigan tomorrow. I will make sure I, I proxy it so it's in my favor tomorrow. <laughs> That's Elijah. I'm Schmidt. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks.